Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Adapia Dorico and Daniel Coca. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. This is Adapia DeRico, and this is a special bonus episode that is a little different from what uh, you've been used to hearing up until now. This interview was recorded live between myself and Heather Schwartz, who I'll introduce in just a moment. And we recorded this live at the Best Ever Real Estate Investing Conference during the weekend of February 20th of 2020. This is a quick 30-minute episode. It's a concentrated conversation with a lot of energy. You'll hear a bit of background noise. That is the conference going on, people having networking events, conversations, evaluating deals. And this is really what we get into in this episode around the non-obvious. And that is related specifically to evaluation. Looking at the non-obvious when you're evaluating an investment opportunity, a sponsor, a partner, these are really important things that we don't necessarily look at or know to look at. So it's a nuanced, in-depth, really concentrated 30 minutes around this topic. We also talk about the intersection of intellect and intuition. So the fact check and the gut check. And we both tell personal stories where our gut check told us something was off about a specific person, an investment partner. And we talk about what happened um, to each of us. So without further ado, let me give you a quick introduction to our guest today. Heather Schwartz, who is a certified financial planner with a background in private banking, asset management. And today she is the president and principal of Mosaic RE Ventures, which is a commercial real estate development company that either does joint venture or direct development projects in mixed use, retail, senior living, and hospitality assets. Heather spent the past two decades working alongside companies and individuals in capital fundraising, investments, strategy and idea generation, technology, and corporate restructuring. She was the co-founder and chief strategy officer of EarlyShares.com, a real estate crowdfunding platform, which she exited a few years ago. Heather continues to travel around the country doing deals, speaking about private investing and other advancements in financial investment technology. And she actively manages a U.S. commercial real estate portfolio for American as well as uh, Brazilian and other Latin American investors. I hope that you will enjoy today's bonus episode with Heather Schwartz. 
Hi, Heather. Hi. <laughs> this is so much fun. I know it is. This is so much fun. So we are actually recording this live at the Best Ever Conference 2020. We are in Keystone, Colorado. And um, we have this opportunity to do a recording in the conference. And I'm here with my good friend, Heather Schwartz. And we're going to talk about some nuances today, nuances of due diligence, nuances of choosing uh, an investment partner, a syndicator, just generally speaking, what is the non-obvious when it comes to real estate investing? And that's a big, big topic. So what I'd like to do is start, of course, with Heather uh, asking you to give your background, which is fascinating and just so it's such a rich background from where you started to getting to where you are today and so yeah tell us your story thank you well it is very exciting to be here especially we're in the lobby and there's a lot of motion and people and conversation so it's great to be like in the mix and also talking about you know something I'm very passionate about which is real estate so my career started I, I hate to say this it's what been like 22 23 years now um, and it started in private banking wealth management at Merrill Lynch in uh, Miami and um, it eventually grew and evolved to uh, commercial real estate and I spent a lot of time focusing on the debt side and then I moved over into the equity side and something that we're hearing a lot about at the conference and I think people are hearing a lot about in general is about crowdfunding. So back in 2011, 2012, I started one of the first equity crowdfunding platforms. Um, did that for about five or six years, was a really unique and interesting <laughs> process. And I know you're, you're yep. here laughing because you can totally appreciate <laughs> yep. um, all of the shared experiences yes. based on your experience with, uh, with crowdfunding. Um, but uh, very fortunate enough, to, uh, you know, exited out of that platform. And then I went into specifically equity investing on the limited partner side, um, did that for a few years. And then about a year, 15 months ago, I transitioned over to um, uh, developing my own properties and doing joint venture partnerships as a general partner. So it has been a very interesting transition for me, looking back at my career, seeing where I started. I've always been in finance. Um, I think it's fascinating, particularly, uh, you know, just looking at the opportunities that are available and how many different ways that you can participate in play. And to me, since my the very beginning of my career, and I remember when I was even in high school, um, I was working part time at a at a law firm. I was all I always gravitated toward real estate. So it's so fitting that now, you know, I'm I'm really in the mix, and I'm and I'm really uh, I'm 100% focused on that. So with that said, I mean, you bring up a really good topic um, that I think gets overlooked because when investors and even sponsors that are entering into these joint venture type of partnerships, when you're looking at your own due diligence process, you know, a lot of times you focus on some of the obvious things, right? And I, and I refer to those as the, the four P's. So you've got people, right? Who are the sponsors? You've got the property. What is the actual project that's, that's being developed or purchased? Right. Um, you've got the sponsors, project, the process, how they're looking at it. And then you've also got performance. Like, what am I going to make on this? Yeah. So a lot of times all of that energy and effort gets shifted um, and focused into those four categories. And the, some of the most important details and what I like to refer to as non-obvious get overlooked. Right. So I think it's a very fitting topic, particularly sitting here in the middle of an investment real estate conference that we talk about those 
non-obvious factors. Right, right. Yeah, because at this conference, there's so many real estate investment companies, syndicators, all kinds of different ways that somebody can invest. And when you're in front of all of these opportunities and also meeting all these people, everyone's giving you the sales pitch. Like, and I mean, everyone's always selling in general. So they're giving you the sales pitch. um, And you might like the person that you're speaking to. um, And they'll give you the obvious, right? Because at a certain point, you can only deliver so much information up front as well. Because as we know really well, real estate is complex. It's not difficult but it's complex. And Mm -hmm. so understanding all of these terms, um, all the returns, what anything means, you know, you can't just dump everything on somebody right up front. You know, you have to give it Mm -hmm. in in bite-sized chunks. So then, you know, digging deeper and deeper. But before we go into that, I wanted to back out really quickly and ask you, because you've been on both sides. So what is an LP? For those listening who may not know, what's an LP and then what's a GP? Okay, perfect. So limited partner is an LP, and that is an investor that is taking a passive investment role into a project. So typically limited partner return structures look like they're getting a preferred return. Um, They're participating in either common or preferred equity. Typically it's preferred equity, what I commonly see. Um, And then they're getting a share in the profit, which is also referred to as like the promote share. So a GP is the general partner, and they are the ones that are actively, you know, participating and developing the project. So limited partners have very minimal risk when it comes to like the greater picture. Mm -hmm. General partners, they're the ones that are getting in from day one. They're the ones that have the most risk. They also have the highest returns when you're looking at it as a percentage. Um, So the risk that general partners typically take is, you know, they have to go ahead and maybe on a development deal, you know, buy the land. Um, you know, get entitlements, get zoning done, you know, all of that costs money, especially when you look at plans and permitting and the lawyers and designs and I I could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those fees are incurred before you even get to the closing table when you've got your debt and your equity aligned and that's something aligned up and that's something else. General partners will typically sign on the debt. So they'll either personally guarantee or they'll do something called signing on the carve outs where they're just attesting to, you know, certain certain bank covenants um, where limited partners don't have that don't aren't involved in that process. So when you look at the actual role, particularly, I mean, all of the details that are involved in, in putting together a real estate project, yeah. it is vast. Um, so that's why GPs, you know, they they do um, get the higher returns. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So the GP is a word that's interchangeable with operator, with sponsor, with developer. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because there's another thing in real estate, all these terms get thrown around, which can also be really confusing Mm -hmm. to people. So general partner can be operator, sponsor, developer. Mm -hmm. Anything else am I missing? I don't think you pretty much covered it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have like, uh, that's the difference between an active in a passive role right. when it comes to real estate. Right. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And typically, here's another thing, and, and limited investors get their money out first. Right. So when you're, again, when you're not looking at the fees that general partners are taking from the deal, from you know doing all the work on the deal, but when you're looking at like the capital stack, how the project is financed, whenever you have any kind of liquidity event or whenever you have any kind of cash flow that's being returned to investors, the limited partners will get their investment first, and then general partners will get their investment. 
Got it. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. So that's after debt, right? Correct. Okay. That's right. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's good to reiterate also, even for those who know a lot about real estate investing, um, it's always nice Mm -hmm. to have that refresher because Mm -hmm. you never know what, you know, the obvious and the non-obvious, but thanks for the, thanks for the refresher on that. So yeah, yeah, let's dive into um, the obvious and the non-obvious. Um, so the obvious, I look the four P's, the people, the property, the process, the performance, right? Um, yep. Those are some of the things that that's how you first learn about the deal. That's kind of what, you know, brings you in and gets you interested and entices you into the deal. So after you've done your diligence and you feel very comfortable with those categories, then let's look at the non-obvious. So on my list, number one, and I, is the gut check. And you're laughing because <laughs> you know very well we both have good stories on yes. the gut check. Yes. Um, so not every decision can be made based on what you see on paper. Mm. All right. So what I encourage investors to do is meet with the people face to face. Right. Um, get comfortable. Ask a lot of questions. See if you've got really good chemistry. Um, also ask yourself, is this too good to be true? Right. Oh, yeah. Because it usually is. It usually is, yeah. <laughs> so I'll share with you a personal story. Um, I was looking to uh, lend a certain sponsor some money on a deal. And I went and I met with him and I met with a banker that was going to do the takeout financing for my money that was going to come in. And I had, it was a 20-minute meeting. I'll never forget. And um, it was me and a business partner we left and we went to lunch right after and my stomach was in knots. Like I had awful cramping. And mm-hmm. then I looked across the table at my business partner and his nose was bleeding. And oh. I was like, how often does that happen? To him? Wow. He goes, I don't know. Since I was a kid. I said, oh no, that's, that's not good. Um, so everything on paper looked great. Mm-hmm. And our, you know, the way that we were feeling was the total opposite of great. Um, and it turned out later on, we discovered it was 100% fraud. Wow. Wow. You dodged a bullet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it's funny because this is the talk I'm giving tomorrow about, um, holistic passive investing is the gut check and listening to our intuition and that marriage of intellect and intuition in making investment decisions. Um, I was also defrauded for a lot of money and my gut the whole time was saying, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. But my, my head, my ego, you know, the personality wanted that to really work out. And, and it was this inner conflict. And since then, uh, I've really learned to listen to my intuition and it speaks to us, you know, in our body, Mm -hmm. it comes as signals, it Mm -hmm. comes as synchronicities that we like to talk about. But, you know, most people dismiss, right. The gut check, Right. Because they're they're taught or they think that they only have to look at things on paper, do the analysis. And of course, yeah, read every chart you can read, you know, every demographic trend, like look at all the paperwork. But there's this really important component that Mm -hmm. is like like a superpower if we know how to use it. So I'm so glad for you. You listened. Right. So what were the reasons that your head was telling you to make your investment? I wanted the returns that were supposed to come because I had built up in my head, well, I'm going to do all these good things with my money. I'm going to build my financial foundation, which, you know, ironically then was the opposite of what happened because I lost all this money, which was all my life savings. And I really wanted it to work because I was so 
emotionally invested. Right. My emotions were invested in an outcome that I really wanted that to happen. And even though I did my due diligence, I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't do enough of it. Mm-hmm. And, and even when I was doing it, there was always that nagging little thing that was pulling at me. But mm-hmm. of course, I was dismissing it and dismissing right. it. And I never dismiss the, like the inner nag right. anymore. <laughs> right. You can't. You can't. And, and that's something that I feel like a lot of people have fear of talking about or admitting. Yeah. Oh. Like it's hard to admit like I didn't invest in him because or in that project because I didn't like the guy. And that's like, what do you mean you didn't like the guy? Yeah. Like, no, it just didn't feel right. Right. And that excuse is dismissed very easily. Right. It doesn't yeah. feel very empowering to say that. But but it's more empowering than, losing. you know, the yeah. sh- like, because on the opposite end of that, like, I lived in so much shame about yeah. losing it because I'm supposed to be smart and I'm supposed to be all these yeah. things. Again, like my ego, my head and this idea of who am I? And I, uh, I, I, I sat and I lived in shame for right. years and years and years around um, having gotten it wrong right. in a way or trusting the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And that really messed with my confidence. Yeah. Big time mess with my confidence. So um, sometimes the non-obvious is very much not visual. It's not apparent. Right. Um, so that I definitely, I start with that, like mm-hmm. energetically, like, do you feel like a good person? Do I think I can trust you? So to your point, you know, meeting people and granted in my situation, you met your person. I met my person that he introduced me to his family, like all these things. Sure. So even then, you know, you really have to be super careful when you have that conflict inside that's saying yeah. something's wrong. So keep digging till you find what's wrong or walk away as you right. did. Um, cause you know, your partner getting a nosebleed, that's like, to me, call me superstitious. I I'd be like, that is a no go. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. Lesson learned, right? right. The yeah. hard way. So that's anybody right. listening to this, hopefully you don't have to learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take it, take it exactly. from us. Yeah. Learn our lesson. <laughs> Um, all right. So here's my second point of the non-obvious is the sharing of information. Mm. Okay. So yeah, when you're looking at a deal, you look at, um, you know, the pitch book, right? Mm-hmm. That really pretty the marketing probably, document, the marketing document, <laughs> probably professionally designed mm. and everything looks wonderful. Okay, yeah. Great. Um, then you look at, you know, the underwriting model and what I've seen, <laughs> in evaluating deals, like when I get an underwriting model, an Excel spreadsheet, Mm -hmm. that's maybe one tab. It's like, okay, that's a big red flag. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I do like to look for complex models because Mm. the more detail, like I can, I I know what to look for. Right. Right. Um, And every deal, every type of asset is different and they each have their own unique variables, but I know certain things to look at. Mm. And one of the big things to look at um, is exit cap rate. So when you're getting pitched a deal, um, you know, you're getting pitched on an IRR basis, an internal rate of return. That's kind of what people lead with when they're marketing their projects. Well, that IRR is calculated on a future appreciation. It's the cash flow plus the appreciation on a assumed value sometime in the future. So that value is being derived by an assumed cap rate, mm-hmm. which what somebody's going to pay three, five, ten years from now, which again is a guess. And one of the things that we heard this morning uh, that one of the speakers said, um, that Jillian from Realty Mobile yep. said, is the performa is always wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And she is 100% right. Yeah. And even somebody with the best intentions, right, and the most solid research and data will still get it wrong because nobody can predict 10, 7, 5 yeah. years in the future. You right. just don't know. Um, so anyway, it's important to look for that exit cap rate. And right. um, let's say that you're buying at a 5 cap and mm-hmm. you're exiting at a 5 cap in 10 years. Well, Something's uh-uh. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's up. Um, so anyway, sharing of information, you know, do the sponsors give out their cell phone? Mm-hmm. Um, can you do some research on them on social media? Do they right. have LinkedIn? Do they have a website? Right. And you would be surprised in my experience when I was with early shares of the crowdfunding platform, how many sponsors did not even have websites? Yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Successful guys, but still, yeah. you want to feel like you, yeah. you know, yeah. you've got information, shared public information. Yeah. It's interesting because I think one of the biggest benefits that crowdfunding brought to real estate is actually forcing sponsors mm-hmm. to um, come with a much deeper level of transparency. It forced people to get yeah. in the game. It forced them to get a website. It forced them to be more visible right. because that's a piece of the transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just didn't really exist in real estate before. Like as, as you know, as we right. know, everything was done country club. Everything was done behind the scenes. Yeah. But if you're trying to raise capital nowadays, especially from unrelated individuals and uh, people that you don't know that aren't necessarily part of your network, you do have to show up with a website more yeah. than a website. I mean, like you said, the website helps. Right. But like what's the rest of the track record that is made available. Um, one of the things that I've uh, found really important that we do um, at Alpha is we'll talk to people in our network or in the a new sponsor's network, let's mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. to find out what other people think of them or have had experience with oh, them, yeah. right? Like that, that was, that's a really important piece because they're going to give you, you know, like first date, they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, they're going to show sure. up, but for a first date. Um, but like, what about, what have other people's experiences been Sure. with that sponsor? Another good people, another good uh, party to speak with is lenders that they've worked oh, with in the past Yeah. because you know, the lending process or the financing process, yeah. I mean, is so arduous and detailed and that really like shows, you know, true colors who people are. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, part of the sharing of information, like sharing due diligence reports, appraisals, inspections, marketability or um, market feasibility studies, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, really showing like sharing the spreadsheets, plan, you know, being able to interact with the fi- with the underwriting models. Are the models stressed? All right. So I talked about cap rate. Yeah. So let's say that that particular project they're going in with a five cap rate and they're exiting with like a six and a half mm-hmm. well what do the returns look like if you exit an eight mm-hmm. or a nine like you know play with the model see right. what happens in a worst case scenario or in, in just a stress scenario right um and then risk factors so this is something that is typically hidden within the offering memorandum okay. and the private placement documents so any good ppm will have a series of risk factors okay well they're there for a reason. Take a mm-hmm. look at them. Make sure that you understand, uh, you know, all the risks that are involved in the deal, and that you got your own gut check and, you know, your head and your heart check yeah. with all of those things. Right. Right. Because yeah. there might be something there that's like, ooh, I didn't think about that. Right. Right. Yeah. So just it's 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 good to fully analyze right. all the mark all the materials that are there. Um, and good sponsors, they will be very open and willing to share with you. So right. I heard um, there's a sponsor that I worked with that shared bank account. So gave you only wow. bank account 
um, access to investors. That's amazing. I mean, that's transparency. Yeah, right. right? Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So quick question yeah. on that. If you don't know how to read a model, what do you do? You ask for help. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. You, you, you yeah. definitely ask for help. Yeah. Um, and if this, if it feels like it's just too complicated for you to get comfortable with, yeah. then you say no. Yeah. Just, you know, there's yeah. always going to be a deal. Right. There's good always yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Always. Right. Right. I think when we really make our biggest mistakes is when we have that fear mindset and mm-hmm. that scarcity mindset right. is when, oh my gosh, if I don't do this deal, I may not see another deal for another right. year or so. FOMO. I have to do this. And FOMO. Yeah. Absolutely. The fear of missing out. Yeah. You got to get past that. Right. right? Yeah. Which kind of goes back to that, like, watch your emotions and how they influence your thoughts, because that's that influence that will make you irrational. Yeah. And to be really mindful of your own um, tendency, if you have that, to be overly emotional, um, override the, the rationality and then also then potentially override your intuition. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and let's see, I've got two more. Okay. I've got, um, site visits. Yes. So <laughs> you have some of the larger sponsors. Are they going to every property that they, um, invest in? Right. Right. That's number one. Um, because I have heard of sponsors that they'll buy something on the recommendation of, let's say a consultant in that, in a different market uh-huh. and they'll do the deal based on consultants and advisors, but they'll never go to the site. Mm. Okay. That's a red flag. And also do the investors themselves, are you going to the site? Now I know that can be a little bit of a challenge yeah. if you're sitting in Palm beach, Florida, and you're looking at a deal in Seattle. Yeah. But again, if you want to get 100% comfortable, and investing in deals, right. then, you know, I highly recommend you yeah. go walk the site. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're making, let's say you're making a $10,000 investment into mm-hmm. a deal online. Okay. Right. You know, and, it, and that represents, this is important. That represents a very small portion of yeah. your portfolio. Right. Maybe you don't have yeah. to. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's not worth the plane ride or the trap right. the ticket. If you're making a $500,000 investment into that same property, you know what? It's worth yeah. getting on a plane for a couple of days. Yeah. And you can probably write it off. You absolutely so, can. There yeah. you go. Yeah, you can write it off. Absolutely can. Yeah, like yeah. we like we like we do site visits. So we're we're that in between piece, right? Where we're raising capital and we're syndicating. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the analysis and all that um, underwriting and the due diligence. So we go on site, right? And then we also tour the comps. So yeah, the other build. So not only like the comps. So building similar to to understand if mm-hmm. the projections and the business plan around it are feasible, but also what other projects have they done? Mm-hmm. Um, especially for a new sponsor, what else have you done? Show me what you've done so yep. we can see the quality of the work. We can see that it's accomplished. Right. So, you know, like putting, like putting your building where your mouth is like, here it is. I'm going to yeah. show it to you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last thing is the walk away factor. So is it easy for a sponsor to walk away if things go wrong? Oh yeah. Okay. So how do you look at this and how do you analyze that? So when you are looking at the sponsor slash developer slash GP, um, look at how they're compensated or what kind of fees are they getting? What kind of backend profit share slash promote are they getting? What kind of ongoing management fees? And that's something that also ties back to the underwriting model mm. where somebody with a you know detailed model will highlight, well not highlight, but they will, they will show you very transparently what all of those fees look like. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, how much is the, ins- is the sponsor investing in that deal? 
So you brought up a really good case that you should share about how you turned somebody away because of that, you know, mismatch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, we were looking at a senior living opportunity, like a big one, great one. The numbers were great. The opportunity is fantastic with a sponsor that we uh, trust and know really well. And there was a partner with the sponsor that would be new to us Mm -hmm. Um, and where we had to walk away, which kind of was unfortunate because it was a really good deal is the fact that the way the compensation was structured, there would be no skin in the game after a year. Mm -hmm. So it was a great deal, smart operators, everything was there. But if you have no skin in the game after just one year of operating this, then what's your accountability to us and to our investors? Because that's on the line for us and our investors are our number one priority. So we walked away from a fantastic deal because we just weren't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And I would say that comfort level is really important for any investor. Are you comfortable with what you're investing in? Mm -hmm. Which is a little bit of like the gut thing. Um, But it it really is, can you sleep at night? Mm -hmm. Um, And like skin in the game helps us sleep at night. Right. And then another tie into that is when you're looking at the debt component of a deal. So... Typically with development deals, you have a lot of, um, of the financing and the debt that is personally guaranteed by the sponsor, the yep. GP. Um, but when you're looking at more like value add or cash flowing deals, there's so much non-recourse slash non-personally guaranteed debt right. available that, you know, sponsors don't have that marriage to the deal, that tie right. to the deal. So that makes it a lot easier for them to walk away. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, like track record, you know, all of this kind of plays into the walk, yeah. of, the walk away factor, yeah. reputation. Yeah. Right. Right. So th- that, that's my list. Um, Great. So I, I, I found a really good quote Let's that I think it. is good from Marcus Aurelius. The secret of all victory lies in the organization or the observation of the non-obvious. So that's, wise again, words. it just re, yeah, wise words reinforce yeah. all the things that we've been talking about today. Yeah. 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 So this is great. It's been fantastic. And um, let's uh, end it with like some takeaways and like what would somebody do at this point with all this information that we've just given them? So the first thing that you ask yourself as an investor, do you have a checklist? Mm. Right. Um, a lot of investors say no. They're like, what do you mean a checklist? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like work to me. Yeah, it's work. Yeah. 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 Well, you have to have a checklist. What does your checklist look like? So some of the things that I talked about today definitely should be on your checklist. Yeah. And if you don't have a checklist, I highly encourage you to develop your checklist when you're not looking at a deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really easy to cater that... Uh, checklist to what deal you're looking at to make it fit to make you feel better about making that investment yeah okay yeah so that's number one and and then the last thing is do you have an investment policy statement all right and this really talks about the greater picture of what your investments look like okay and um you know how does this deal or your other investments fit into what your personal goals are what your objectives are your risk tolerance what your investment mantra is, the mm. things that you want to do, and also the things that you don't want to do and don't want to invest in. Right. Um, and, I, you know, that's something that's very important to always have is like a guidance for just general investing. 
right? And then your checklist reinforces all of that. Right. It's perfect. Those are my takeaways. Amazing. I love them. Well, Heather, it's been such a pleasure doing this uh, doing this live podcast yeah, here at the conference. So so, yeah, it's so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.